The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. I'm Joe Galina, and I'm super excited today because we've got a great podcast lined up for you this week want to first welcome in my co-host you know him you love him scott chu how's it going i'm doing great i'm excited to be here and uh i'm excited to be talking about baseball again because work has been terrible but this stuff is always good right like tigers are winning games somehow one way or another and again not at work so just Mm. thrilled yes and Super stoked. We have a special guest with us that's going to join us uh, this week. Shelly, first rate, first rate. And it's uh, amazing that she was able to take the time out of her busy schedule to hang out with us today. Shelly writes for Pitcher List. She also writes for the Red Sox blog, OverTheMonster.com. She's an editor at Dynasty Guru. You can hear her on Dynasty's Child podcast. She's an MLB prospects expert. She's agreed to import some of her knowledge with us today. Shelly, how's it going? Um, It's going great. It's a nice early uh, uh, Sunday morning. Um, It's nice and sunny out here. Um, Yeah. So again, thanks for having me on. Thank you for taking the time out. And uh, yeah, here in the New York area, it, we, it's the second day where we're going to have 90 plus degree temperatures. And unfortunately, my air conditioning uh, is not working uh, until Wednesday. Oh, oh no. my gosh! So, uh, but at least we're I'm 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 in my basement. And it's always cooler in the basement. But uh, Shelly, you're a Red Sox fan, and the Red Sox enjoying a, a nice resurgence this season, right? Uh, we're recording this uh, to give everyone a reference point. May twenty third, they're in first place. Yeah. Your Red Sox. It's it's it, it's it's really great, and I mean, I didn't really have like any questions about you know about the offense and. And, you know, that they've been they've been killing it. But what's really interesting is the the pitching is really good, but yeah. it's not who you thought it was, it, who, who you thought it was going to be. You thought it was going to be Eovaldi and Erod killing it. Um, mm-hmm. But it's like Garrett Richards and Nick Pavetta and Martin Perez is kind of holding his own. So it's, it's kind of mm-hmm. um, backwards, but it's working. So I'm uh, no complaints here. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, starting pitching has been better than expected, like you say. And then Chris Sale expected to make his return at some point this season. And it just seems like that kind of season yeah. for the Red Sox where they're just like 
everything is like caught, falling into place. Like they, they call up Danny Santana and the guy has a home run in each of his first two games, <laughs> you know? So Alex core is back as manager. You got a, a nice core endeavors, Bogarts. And of course, Verdugo, Matt Barnes has been out of his mind as the team's closer. So, you know, I'm a Yankees fan, so I hate to see this, but uh, congrats to you so far. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we haven't played you guys yet, which seems kind of odd seeing that it's, you know, almost June. Yeah, yeah. Um, but those matchups should be uh, pretty interesting Ab- later this summer. Absolutely, yeah. I think we play each other in a week or two, but you're right. Quarter of the season gone and, and no Yankee Red Sox series. That's kind of odd. But uh, and, and Scott, we don't want to forget about you. You're scrappy Tigers. I mean, they're no pushovers this season. Tigers, they're, I think, the two games ahead of the Minnesota Twins. I mean, who would have thought that, like heading into June, that the mighty Twins would be behind the Tigers in the standings? Baseball continues to make a lot of sense all the time. <laughs> That's just how it goes. Uh, I No explanation. The funny thing is they're doing well now, but like they, they seem to be this team that like at their best, they look scrappy and watchable. And then at their worst, I try to find something else to do. So it's not so depressing. So I'm glad that this is one of those times where I can just watch the games and enjoy it. Something good might happen because they'll probably go on another 10 game stretch where they score like three runs. Yeah. Do you think they found their long-term closer in uh, Michael Fulmer getting the job done right now? And not really sure if he loves being the closer, but saying all the right things to the media and also kind of seems to have the right, not only skill set for the job, but also the right temperament for the closer's role as well. Love seeing him hit a hundred. That's for darn sure. I mean, as whether or not he enjoys it a lot, I'm not sure is the biggest issue because I'm not sure he has a whole lot of choice, right? Yeah, like the Tigers yeah. have a bunch of starting pitching prospects that are going to be coming. They have some guys that have been doing a lot better than expected. If Homer wants to play, he's going to have to do it out of the pen, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I hope he's enjoying it because he looks awfully good doing it. But if yeah. he doesn't, I mean, it's one of those things where sometimes you get assignments at work that you don't really want, but <laughs> you got to do them and it's the best way to, uh, to uh, earn your keep, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, let's get started in some of the news that's been going on this week. Uh, six no-hitters in the big league so far this season. Seven, if you can't. Uh, Mad Bums, uh, seven-inning stint against Atlanta. And, and Scott Spencer Turnbull, who lost 17 games just a couple of seasons ago. 2019 throws a no-no against the Mariners. My guy, Corey Kluber, throws a no-hitter against the Rangers. And uh, Shelly, we now have two no-hitters against Cleveland we have two no hitters against the Mariners two against the Rangers is this what we should be focusing on is that the lead that you have like just a a few teams that are just putrid offensively or is there more to it where you know you know the MLB dead in the ball pitchers are are pitching better there's you know rumors and accusations that they're putting more stuff on the ball what's the headline here I mean I think it's like a combination of just everything. I mean, those three teams specifically, um, their lineups are pretty poor. And when they are all struggling, I mean, anyone can get them out. I mean, I could probably strike out, you know, some of the guys on the Rangers or something like that. Um, And then um, I was reading a a piece from The Athletic. I mean, you mentioned it, that um, pitchers are using more stuff and um, uh, sticky stuff Um, and just the spin rates are just, um, just out of control, right? It's just, and yeah, so I think it's that, I think it's poor offense, um, and just it's early in the season and we see pitchers usually are ahead of hitters, um, 
in the early part of the season. And then once the warm weather heats up and I guess, you know, pitchers are seen by teams second and three times, then that's when they start to get the, uh, the, the feel for the pitchers, you mm-hmm. know, the hitters understand um, what's going to be offered. So I think, I just, I just think it's just a combination, um, like a perfect storm of just everything. Right. Right. Yep. Yep. And uh, just to quantify it a little bit, CBS uh, had some stats where in 2019, there were 1.39 home runs per game. And this season it's down to 1.14 and uh, strikeout rates for hitters. Right now it's at 24.1%, and it's gone up every year uh, since 2005, and 2005 was at 16.4%. So that's a, a pretty big jump. And it's getting to the point where you know, guys like Clayton Kershaw, who make their living pitching, and, and Don Manley complaining about it. Don Manley saying that sometimes baseball is just unwatchable. Uh, Scott, it wasn't that long ago where the exact same trend was happening in reverse, though. Yeah, and... One, that article at The Athletic is fantastic. It talks yes. a lot about a lot of cool things. For example, about how much spin rate has gone up and the mm-hmm. number of pitches with like a certain threshold of spin rate, how that is skyrocketed. There's only, you know, the, the sunscreen and rosin thing is not new, right? Like pitchers have been using bullfrog sunscreen and rosin forever to like get some grip. But a, a thing that article points out, uh, and I don't want to just spoil the whole thing, but there's new stuff out there too right? Mm-hmm. Like stickier stuff. And, <laughs> right. and that changes a lot of things. That's been frustrating for a lot of hitters. But, you know, I think for me, a huge part of it has sort of been the teams and the approach of those teams. Like the Rangers run a, a like a slow pitch softball lineup out there. Just a bunch of dudes who want to swing real hard a lot, right? So when they're not on, they are going to have these games where even if they do like, it, they'll either get like no hit or as a team, they'll have like 12 strikeouts through the game or more. Right. So it's just like Shelly said, a combination of things in terms of the way hitters approach hitting sabermetrics has done a lot of things. And one thing it one thing it did was sort of like emphasize the home run. Mm-hmm. Right. Like there's this great meme that's like early on in baseball, you don't know anything. And you're just like, yeah, I hit a home run. And then you learn all the sabermetrics, you get into all the stats and you go through all these like feelings. And at the end, you're just like, yeah, I hit a home run. Like, that's the best thing. So like as to hit home runs, you have to swing the bat awfully hard and awfully fast. Mm -hmm. And that does lead to strikeouts. It's been a trope for a very long time. So Mm -hmm. combination of a lot of things and, you know, teams that want to hit for power are going to do this. More teams want to hit for power. They have young players, right? The Rangers have one player who's over 30 and it's Brock Holt in their starting lineup. Right. And like, he's a platoon guy. This is going to keep happening a little bit. I'm just amazed. It hasn't happened to the tigers yet. Mm -hmm. Now that I say that, of course it will, but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if there's one guy in the Tigers that'll break up, you know, hitter, it's Maggie. Come on. All right. So, uh, Shelly, are we noticing any similar trends in the minor leagues yet where pitchers seem to be getting the best of hitters or is it too early in the season to really start to see if there's, if that's a, a trend developing in the minor um, leagues? We haven't really seen too many. Um, I have seen like, um, a few like combined, um, no, no's, you know, down in like low A or something, but you know, that, that kind of, that kind of happens, but Mm -hmm. there is one trend, um, that I did, um, notice, uh, so far, uh, this season, it is in low A and it's stolen bases, stolen bases are up, um, which is really interesting. Um, and that league, in that league, they, you know, they expanded the size of the bases. Um, so that's interesting. It's one of those changes, um, that, 
it seems to be working if that's what they wanted to do. Um, so they might, um, I will be looking forward to like, like next off season to see if they, um, if, you know, major league baseball makes a change and expands the bases for other leagues as well. Interesting. Okay. Very good. So, uh, Scott, you mentioned uh, that the Rangers are using like a, a slow ball method of pitching that leads us to uh, next topic that real quick that we'll talk about baseball's unwritten rules. Everyone's talking about them this week. So last season and again, the Padres were leading 10, three Fernando Tatis ignored uh, his manager, Jace Tingler's take sign swung at a three Oh pitch and hit a grand slam against the reliever Juan Nicasio. So on Monday night, White Sox DH Yerman Mercedes comes to the plate with the Sox leading 15 to 4, works a 3-0 count, ignores the take sign from manager Tony Larusa, and launches a slow pitch, a 47 mile per hour pitch from position player Williams Astudio. It launches into the outfield stands for a home run. Scott, are we making too much about these unwritten rules? Are they too old school? Yes. Those things were awesome, right? Like I love baseball and those things were awesome, right? Like I love seeing Williams throw that like 40 something mile per hour pitch and mm-hmm. have it not be hit for a home run. And then I loved watching him pitch it and have it hit be a home for like hit for a home run. I like all of it. Like they could talk about their unwritten rules and their pride or whatever. But like, number one, I've been on a lot of real bad, like rec league sports teams. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that's more frustrating than like getting crushed is getting crushed and then they stop trying and mm-hmm. it's obvious, right? Like I, I'm a, I'm a grown person. Like I don't need to be insulted, right? Like don't just stand there with the ball in front of me. Like at least shoot it for God's sake. Right. Like mm-hmm. I'm not, I just want to just watch you be better than me. Like at least do something. I, I it's fun. I, I mm-hmm. watch baseball to have fun, like above all else. Like I did that first and then I started writing about it and playing fantasy sports sure. and all that. But I do all that just to have more fun with baseball. If they're doing stuff that's fun, I'm not going to sit here and tell them that they're, you know, being rude because of some imaginary rules. Forget Mm -hmm. that. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you in terms of watching, uh, what was it, a few weeks ago you had Rizzo pitching against Freeman in another blowout, you know, Anthony Rizzo. And the two of them were just, they couldn't keep a straight face, right? And I think Rizzo struck out Freeman, so... You know, baseball does have some issues, and I think that uh, having some players just be who they want to be, have some personality, because that's kind of what uh, Mercedes had said. You know, this is who I am. You know, <laughs> so I don't, I don't know. Then they, they were talking about the uh, the run generated mercy rule. Shelly, do you like that idea? Like, you know, once a, a team gets a ten run lead, and maybe it's the seventh inning, they just say, "Okay, let's go home." Um, no, I don't like that. I mean, I didn't even like that rule when I was playing softball in the minor, uh, in the minor leagues, you know, in, in, um, in little league, like I, I, mm-hmm. I don't like that. It's just like, just the game is nine innings, right? Just, just play. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. yeah. It makes sense in my son's little league because they stopped, they stopped that half of the inning if they scored five runs. So at some point it does become impossible, mm-hmm. right? you're down 15 with two innings left to play or only like 15 minutes. Cause like realistically they just play for a time limit. If we're not, we're not going to get that many innings done in time. You can call it if you want, but guess what? They still don't. They keep mm. playing cause it's a game and the kids like playing it. It's no different than the adults, right? They like, yeah, they get paid a lot of money and, and that's not a small point, but they like playing it. They enjoy baseball presumably. So like, let them, let them play. Like what are you turning it off for? Right? Like, 
the last I just talked about how annoying it is for someone to not be trying. The last thing I want to do is tell those guys you can't win now, right? Tell mm-hmm. them that. See how that goes, right? You ever tried to pull Scherzer off the mound when he's like giving up nine runs? He doesn't care. <laughs> like he's not if he doesn't think he's done, he wants to keep trying. Why yeah. why why would we stop the game? Yeah. Uh, uh Scherzer uh pitching against the Yankees a couple of weeks ago and he was on fire. And you're watching him in the dugout. He actually told the manager, okay, I'm done. You know, there was a question whether or not it was going to be taken out of the game. And he kind of stayed in the game. But then in between innings, you know, the cameras panned in on the dugout. And and he said, you know, you could see that he mouthed the words, I'm done. So that's the little tidbit on, on Scherzer. How about the issue, and Shelly, I'll ask you, that when we talk about t- the example I gave with Tatis and this example – where the players chose to ignore the the sign from their manager. Do you think that that is a little bit more of the issue as opposed to the fact that a player is swinging against a position player in an issue where guys just throwing 47? Um, it could be. Um, I don't know about, uh, uh, you know, I don't know about TLR. Uh, I don't know about his reaction to it, but maybe with the Jace Tingler thing, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I basically, because maybe I have a little bit more respect for Jace Tingler. Um, but maybe just a little bit of it. But, I mean, maybe he missed the don't swing sign, right? Could be. You don't know that. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe he wasn't looking. I don't know. Right. So, yeah, I just I just think people just need to just grow up and ha- just have fun. It's a game. Come on. Get over Girl yourself. Girl up. Larusa said, hey, uh, you know, Lance Lynn had said it took um, – Mercedes's side on this, and and Larusa said, "Hey, Lance has a locker. I have an office, uh, you know." So, which I thought was pretty funny. But um, uh, how about for the home run derby this season? If uh, Mercedes let put Mercedes in it and have uh, Astudio pitch to him, that would be must see TV. No, <laughs> well, that, that reminds me of like that that'll look awesome. like the Josh <laughs> Hamilton home run derby, right? <laughs> <laughs> there was there was the one where like his. His like high school coach or whatever was like pitching to him, and the guy's yeah. arm about fell off because he hit yeah. like forty home runs. It wasn't yeah. forty; it was like twenty something. But yeah, yeah, like poor Estadio. Like, there's only so many times you can lob <laughs> in a forty mile an hour pitch and watch a guy hit it five hundred feet. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's move on. So, Scott, this happened after we finished uh, recording our podcast last week. Uh, Albert Pujols, I thought I was shocked when I saw it. Signs with the Dodgers and uh, holding his own so far, though. Uh, home run. And more importantly, five RBI in his first six games with the Dodgers. And the Dodgers have won all six of those games. I mean, how surprised were you when he signed with the Dodgers? I thought he was going to an American League team. Yeah, the first thing I thought was, man, you know who really needs another bench bat? The Dodgers. <laughs> oh, what a what a great signing, right? Like they have they have like a billion of them. And then they just go sign another one. It's great kind of because it's like they don't care anymore. They're mm-hmm. like, hey, you know, what? we'll just sign whoever we want. We'll do whatever we want. We're the Dodgers. Like, what are you going to do, right? Every single one of our guys still has like 40 options left. So who cares? <laughs> we'll sign Pujols. We'll sell a couple jerseys. It'll be fun. Like, uh, sure, right? They've, <laughs> they've got him, uh, I guess. Like, you know, Rios is out for a while, so it doesn't impact him. Not that I think the Dodgers would really care that much. If they wanted Pujols, they just would have gotten him and told Rios to deal with it. Mm-hmm. But it, it's cool. I mean, like, that's all I have to say about it is that it's cool i'm yeah. not really thinking about it beyond and that they keep winning <laughs> that's the thing you know it doesn't matter who they put in right they could put me yeah, and you it, in and, and they'd win yeah they go on like they go on like a slump with 
air quotes that my co-host can see here. Um, and like, they're still in first or like close to it. Right. Like, Oh no, the giants, are we going to be able to pass them? Like, yeah, give it, give it a couple weeks. Uh, like good for them. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, of course they signed some like 40 year old guy and he immediately starts hitting for them. Sure. That's yeah. the Dodgers, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to uh, other news. Mike Trout out six to eight weeks due to a calf strain. And uh, Shelly, since he's been out, you, you've had uh, Taylor Ward playing some centers. Also uh, Juan Lagares, Jose Rojas is playing right field, Justin Upton in left field. So based on, on Ward and Rojas's minor league stats, both have 290 plus career batting averages. I think they have some potential, but uh, of course, as soon as you hear that Trout's going to be out for a while, uh, all our thoughts go to, hey, you know, when's uh, Adele, Joe Adele coming up or, or Brandon Marsh? So Adele, uh, last uh, I checked, six home runs in his first 14 games, has a good WRC plus of 122, and we all knew that he had the power, still striking out 35.5% of the time. And Marsh being eased into action after his shoulder injury, batting uh, 194 in his first eight games, striking out also at a fairly high rate, 28% of the time. So what are we thinking in terms of Adele and Marsh? Do you think that the Angels could tread water for a while, you know, with, with Ward out there? who also has a pretty good minor league track record, or, or what are we thinking about Adele and Marsh? When do you think that we could possibly see them? Um, I think it's going to be a while um, because um, the biggest thing like with Adele um, is definitely defense, but then also swing and miss. Um, like you said, he's hitting 246 with a 631 slug because he's hit just, you know, he's hit so many home runs, but he only has five singles and he's striking out just as much as, it, well, not as much as in the majors last year, but he's still swinging and missing a lot. Mm-hmm. And that is what he needs to work on. He still needs to work on it. And he's not going to get better in the major major leagues because that's like the, the best, you know, obviously the best in the most difficult uh, uh, mm-hmm. place. Um, so, yeah, I don't think that we're going to see Adele anytime soon. Yeah. And we might see Marsh, um, but... Um, you know, he's hitting 194. He's walking a lot, but he's also swinging and missing too. So he's not in a right, right place either. So I think that, you know, the angels are just going to have to try to, uh, tread water with Ward and, and, and Rojas, um, um, until these guys kind of just get a little bit better. Gotcha. Okay. Scott, there was a a trade, uh, the Rays traded Willie Adamas and pitcher Trevor Richards, to the Brewers uh, for relief pitchers, J.P. Fireisen, uh, actually pretty decent uh, reliever, nine holds, two saves, and Drew Rasmussen. So my first thoughts went to Wanda Franco and Vidal Brujan. And, uh, of course, that's not who gets called up. It's it's Taylor Walls, right? A uh, bit of a speedster. Actually, I think he went two for four in his first game on, on Saturday night. Uh, were, were you surprised about Walls getting called up? In the sense that I can be surprised by the Rays when they do something, yes, right? Like, whatever that maximum amount of surprise is from the Rays, like, I'm that. But I should mention that that's not very high, right? Like, it, it makes sense that they trade Willie Adamas, like, the, they don't need another infielder. Like they needed another infielder. Like the Dodgers needed um, another bench bat, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's the same concept. They have, they have all the ones they want and they can all play like every infield position, right? Like even their outfielders, like Brandon Lowe, he could come in and, and he could do it. Like Brandon Lowe, he could come in and do it too. 
they, it makes it makes sense for them. It makes sense a bit for the Brewers because they've been kind of not so sure what they're going to do at shortstop. They got rid of some of the guys that they've had for a long time, trying something new. Good for them. Um, again, su- surprised that it wasn't. I was not surprised that it wasn't Franco, right? Like mm-hmm. Juan Franco. I, I think they're going to wait. Uh, they they just don't have tons of reasons to do it quite yet. They're still doing quite well in their division. It's not like they've been having too many problems. I think it'll be Brown first, but you know, only when they feel like it. That's the thing mm-hmm. about the Rays; they only do stuff when they feel like it. Yeah, like who's yeah. going to close? Whoever we feel like, right? Yeah. Like they don't. <laughs> they have. They certainly have a plan. It's just that they've done a pretty good job making sure none of us know what it is. <laughs> there you go, uh, Shelley. Do you know what their plan is? I mean, uh, you know, I, I kind of, like I said, kind of thought Franco Bruhan. I thought maybe Bruhan would come up first. You know, and and also if you could just give us a little bit on on Taylor Walls. Looks like he's more of a speedster, right? Uh, first fourteen games I saw, he was batting three twenty seven, a couple of home runs, ten RBI, and and a couple of stolen bases, but. Uh, do you have a gut feeling as in terms of when we could see either Bruhan or Franco? And if you think it would be Bruhan first? Um, I'll, I'll start with that first. Um, yeah, I definitely think it's going to be Bruhan first, um, but it's not going to be on the dirt. Uh, Bruhan is, has played 10 games in the outfield, most, most of them in center field. Um, and then when he does come on the dirt, it's been at third base or second base. So he's not going to be uh, playing shortstop. And, I honestly think that he is going to make his debut um, probably in like center field or something. Um, and he's just having a crazy season, just hitting bombs left and right. It's, it's awesome to see he's stealing bases. So that's, that's really cool. Um, yeah. I was not surprised that they brought Taylor walls up and not Frank Franco um, basically because uh, uh, Franco is not on the 40 man and walls is, um, but walls is a really, really good um a really, really good, like, uh, shortstop second baseman. I think long-term his place is probably going to be second base. Um, he kind of reminds me a little bit of, um, Nick Solak. Hmm. Not, not, not like a comp or anything, but mm-hmm. like a, Solak used to be, um, in, in the Rays org and he was just like a hitter. And this is what Walls is just a hitter. He can hit that. He's done that. Every every step of the way, he, it just really stinks that he's um, in the raised org um, because uh, you know Franco and Bruhan get a lot more uh, pub because they're well they're better but they're flashier and just really you know shiny stars and all that stuff. Uh, but Wallace is really good um, and I'm really excited to see him. I'm glad he went two for four. Um, you know, in his first game, um, I would probably honestly, um, in fantasy, um, I'm probably looking to pick him up because I think, um, that he's going to contribute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and uh, maybe later on, if, if there are any players that come to mind in terms of, cause I don't think the casual fan really don't know much about walls, right. But there's gotta be other prospects that are talented that, don't get the publicity, you know, like you just mentioned, not the flashy kind of uh, players or whatnot. So maybe if, if, if any come to mind, uh, you know, before we cut out today, maybe you could just mention a couple. But um, just sticking with you in terms of prospects in general, how many prospects do you think that it's safe to stash in standard redraft leagues? And I'm sure that that depends in part on the size of your league, whether it's a 10, 12 or 15 team league. No. Yeah, it definitely does. Um, I'm thinking like with the amount of injuries that we're seeing, a 10-team league, I would be really hesitant to 
um, to to stash any of these guys um, because yeah, it's just you kind of need to save some of the you need to you know refill with all these um, injuries. So I don't think I would stash anyone in like ten, and then in twelve and fifteens, yeah, sure. Um, I'm in my in my Tout Wars league. I have Jaren Duran and uh, stashed, mm-hmm. um, and then. Um, I had Logan Gilbert stashed um, since the beginning of the season, so it's been a little bit, a little bit rocky this week. But I think he'll turn around. But mm-hmm. yeah, in, in twelve and fifteens, I think it's totally fine to to stash a couple here and there. Mm-hmm. Shocking that you would uh, stash a Duran. He's a Red Sox, no? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Scott, uh, the casual fan. Should they be paying more attention to Double A players now? Because it seems like a more prospects who are getting called up you know over the past year or two from the double a uh leagues or do you think that's just like a, a temporary change because of covid where you know you don't have like you know actual games being played it's hard to skip levels through the minor leagues it's really hard there's a finite number of players who can really do this with any kind of consistency right like how many juan sotos and fernando tatis juniors are there out in the minor leagues at any given moment, like one, maybe like Wander Franco, right? Like how many, how many players that caliber? So we've seen this quite a bit lately, but it's sort of, to me, like the bigger story is we've had this crazy influx of really high level young talent that are ready in their early twenties, right? Like that is not something I expect to continue forever, right? Like there's going to be years where it's drier than this. It's been really cool to see these guys, like a Juan Soto come up at 19 and mash, right? Awesome. How many players do I think can do that in any given decade? Mm-hmm. Two? Like we might get one more, maybe, right? Like it's so, so difficult for players to be able to do this. Should you pay attention to double A? Like, yes, especially with the way that teams have been able to use alternate sites and give them more time with their MLB staff. And, you know, have access to those MLB resources like that's really cool. And so maybe we see it a little more, but I, I don't think there's going to be this like a long term trend of players skipping triple A because like there's a reason guys like Joe Adele, who was at one time like the number one prospect in baseball, he's back in triple A because baseball's hard and sometimes players need to go back to certain levels to practice certain skills. So should you watch it? Sure. But not necessarily more than you should have before, right? It's If anything, it's just drawn attention that there are really good players in double A. And it's not necessarily a step by step by step. You go to low A, high A, double A, triple A up. You can skip levels. Just keep in mind, that's really hard to do. You have to mm-hmm. be a very special kind of talent to be able to do that and show something that maybe we didn't even notice before, right? Like a, like a Scooble did something that was really unexpected of him when he first got drafted. It was much, much better than a lot of people anticipated. And then, of course, had like a bunch of time in the alternate site. So they felt he was ready and he's struggling. I wouldn't be stunned if he goes down for a little bit. If they mm-hmm. get into more of a roster crunch, it's not like they got a ton of pitchers right now, but it could happen. But it's hard to do. You watch it, please, because there's good baseball there. There's good players there. But don't expect this to be some like long term permanent trend. Mm. Hey, Shelly, how do you think that? You know, COVID has affected teams' processes for grooming their prospects. I mean, do you think that 
the way that they process their their prospects has changed forever in terms of, you know, Scott brought up the alternate site. You know, a lot of, uh, of teams are now using pitching and hitting labs. Uh, do you think that they're going to continue to use the, the alternate training sites and whatnot? I mean, do you think that – I'm not only asking you a lot of questions here, but do you think that uh, players were able to benefit from using an alternate training site as opposed to – I mean, of course, you always want to get game action, but – were they able to still progress using the training methods from last season? And you think they'll continue? Um, I don't know if they're going to like do like alternate uh, training sites. Um, Cause I think uh, most teams are probably just going to just stick with just in-game action. But I do think a lot of um, prospects, especially hitters. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Someone agrees. Um, especially. <laughs> Yes, someone definitely agrees. Ursula's like, yes, more baseball. <laughs> anyway, um, I I do think that hitters um, really did uh, get a lot out of these alternate training sites. Um, I'll just go. I'll just default to the Red Sox, uh, for example, like because they they streamed a lot of like their alternate site um, scrimmages last year, um, and you know. Uh, like Tristan Casas, he was in low A in, in 2019 and he was able to face like triple A pitchers, major league caliber pitchers. And he said that it, that really helped him uh, because he saw better stuff, stuff that he's never seen before. And then he, you know, he starts the season out in double A and he's hitting well, you know, he just went two for four. I think he's hitting above 300. That's amazing. Um, so yeah, but going forward, I think teams are, um, I have seen a lot more teams, uh, use a lot of like these pitching labs, like, uh, Seattle has like their, their gas camp or something like that. Um, the reds have driveline guys. Um, the twins are also doing like some really interesting things with pitchers and catchers, um, just doing all these different things. So I think, a lot of teams are starting to go different routes instead of just coaching out, you know, in, in the field, like they're doing a lot of like all season stuff. Mm-hmm. That was a great example. It seems that, and correct me if I'm wrong, that the minor league system wasn't kind of like reset. There was consolidation there. Are there fewer teams or they consolidated leagues, I believe. Right. Yeah. Um, they took away, about I don't know about ten to twenty wow. um, leagues, um, or not leagues, mm-hmm. uh, teams, um, and they basically got rid of like the really really rookie level ball, like the Appy League and the Arizona League. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they really really condensed it. Um, yeah, the New York Penn League they got rid of my Staten Island Yankees, which I was a little upset about. Oh, I'm but sorry. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> but um, so do you think that because of that, you think that maybe? some players will maybe opt to play more college ball. That could be their entry into maybe, I mean, nobody, not many players are going to jump from college ball to the major leagues, but you know, if they can hook up with a a minor league team, maybe play some college ball and try to show that they're talented enough. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think um, some, a lot more uh, prep players would definitely go the college route. Um, um, Because obviously there's not as many minor league roster spots. Um, but the cream always rises to the top, whether you start out in college or you start out in the minor leagues as, uh, uh, you know, just right out of high school, 
and, and teams will find you um, because, I mean, teams, you know, pick up players, you know, out of, you know, um, um, like out of like Asia and all these other places. So just sure. as long as you're able to play, teams will find you. There's scouts all over the place. So it, mm-hmm. it, honestly, it doesn't matter where you start. Um, it really does stink that a lot of these teams got taken away. Um, you know, like your Staten Island Yankees, for example, you know, it just really sinks when you've had a, cause minor league baseball is so much fun. Sure. And when, you know, if you can't take your family or just go out and watch like a minor league game, that really stinks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott, Shelly mentioned cream always rises to the top. And I, I agree with that wholeheartedly now. And I think we've spoken about this before and Shelly could add on to this, but I'll, I'll go to you first, Scott. Do you think that with, you know, guys like Mercedes and Adolis Garcia, who were in their upper 20s and, you know, spent a lot of time in the minor leagues and actually had some good success in the minor leagues. And then they've been able to transfer it to uh, the big leagues and the big leagues being, you know, copycat uh, kind of sport. Do you think that we're going to start to see teams kind of take a second look at some of the players that have might have been like, you know, languishing in their minor league system uh, and maybe not being able to call up. Maybe they were held back because, you know, they had a, a superstar player in front of them. Uh, but do you think that, Scott, that uh, we're going to see a little bit more of that? So Christian Walker was another one of these guys, right? That was like this quad A player for a long time, finally gets his shot, comes up with Arizona, starts hitting really well. The thing about this is like the White Sox didn't really want to give your Mercedes a shot, right? They weren't super excited about it. They just had more and more hitters dropping like flies, hmm. right? Uh, Adolis Garcia is on a team that's like totally rebuilding and doesn't really care that much. Like, oh, well, he's he's old enough, right? Like he, he can come up and play. We, we got to have somebody and we don't necessarily need it to be our best player. It just needs to be a player we want to get a look at. Mm-hmm. It's very, very contextual these guys, right? Like there's a reason they're buried and there's a reason they get unburied, right? You mean Mercedes got unburied because like five guys got hurt, <laughs> right? Like a lot of roster spots had to open up. So like, you can't even give the white Sox that much credit. Like it's great that he was in their system and he was like available for them to call up and they eventually picked him. But like, he wasn't the first prom date they asked for, right? Like, or the second or the third, he was like the fourth or the fifth. So <laughs> No, Eventually, I don't think there's going to be yes. some like, yeah, I don't think there's going to be some big shift here. It's just going to be a thing that we're all going to be surprised by it. And it's going to be fun because it's baseball. Right. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, like, it's not like there was a, there's like people that liked your Mercedes, but like, not like this, right? Like not as a 300 hitter for a month and a half, mm-hmm. right? Like that, that wasn't a thing. Right. So it's really cool. I'm glad we see it. We're always going to see it. It's always going to happen. And we're going to be surprised by it every time. Yeah. Shelly, what do you think? And also, do you think that uh, guys like Adolis Garcia and Mercedes, do you think they're kind of like flashes in the pan? Do you think they could continue? Especially Garcia, when you look at his pedigree, he's a strikeout machine, wasn't he? <laughs> Past, but hit a couple of home runs, I think, this, this past Saturday. Like I said, we're recording this on Sunday. So do you think that they can continue their success? And also, what I asked Scott, do you think that we're going to start to see teams kind of reevaluate some of the players that maybe they haven't promoted yet um i i don't think so um these guys like these like flashes in the pans right um they show up on bad teams i'm not talking about mercedes is a special case um but these guys show up on just bad teams because like garcia like i think he was like dfa by the by the cardinals 
Like he was in the Cardinal system for a while. Cardinal, he, I'm pretty sure that Garcia looked pretty good on the Cardinals right now. Um, but you know, the, the Rangers take a, take a, uh, take a chance on him and he's doing really fine, really awesome things. I don't really think that it's going to, um, continue on this pace because he's never really shown this much home run and stolen base, uh, stolen bases, um, you know, it, when he was with the Cardinals. So I just think that this is like really fun. Um, but then when it comes to Mercedes, yeah, he was a catcher who couldn't catch. And uh, but now he doesn't have to catch. He can just mash baseballs. Uh, I think Mercedes is out of Mercedes and Garcia. I think Mercedes has a chance of actually doing this for the long term. Yeah. Yankees have a catcher that can't catch and Gary Sanchez. But that's another story. <laughs> it's <laughs> just worth noting that like Yerman Mercedes wasn't even the top catcher who can't catch prospect on the White Sox. Right. They had Zach Collins. Yeah, like they, yeah, they thought he yeah. was going to be their catcher who can't catch, right? Like mm-hmm. they went to their second catcher who can't catch for this to happen, mm-hmm. right? Like that's pretty deep in the well. Yeah, yeah. Let's switch gears on actually evaluating prospects. We'll go to Shelly on this. Shelly, how much should we lean on the traditional batting and pitching stats when evaluating prospects? And you know, are there any specific stats that uh, do you think are, are more predictive than others in terms of when you do your uh, evaluations? Like, for instance, like are college stats uh, useful in evaluating uh, prospects' future success? Um, for college, um, kind of, sort of, mm. maybe. Um, sometimes, um, <laughs> um, like I'll take a like a Jonathan India for example. He was basically like a no power guy down in Miami. Um, you know, and then for his last year, he just went gangbusters with home runs. The, the Reds took him, I think, sixth, seventh, eighth overall. Um, uh, but he hasn't shown that power since. So sometimes, um, you can just definitely take a look at the stat line, um, for, for college players. And that's probably what you're going to get. But then sometimes, uh, you know, stats lie (laughs) or it's Mm. just, they don't lie. They just, you know, just don't really make sense. And that that's not what it's going to be for the long term. Um, as for me, when I like looking for interesting prospects, I definitely start out at stat lines. That's how I, you know, just find guys, um, for hitters. I like to look at, uh, weighted runs created plus, mm. uh, swing and strike percentage, um, ground ball, line drive, fly ball, but most importantly, age to level, because if this is like a 24 year old in a ball, I'm really not going to be impressed if he's mashing. Mm -hmm. He should be Mm -hmm. mashing, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And then for pitchers, um, I look at uh, K to BB, uh, swing strike, innings pitched, uh, innings pitched like per game. Um, And then again, um, age to Mm -hmm. level. Um, And then once I find like a really interesting guy or two, I'll, you know, go over to like YouTube or Twitter and then look at him. Like I'll watch them and see what I think, because even, even good stat lines, you can watch a pitcher, for example, and you'd be like, yeah, no, that's not going to work. That doesn't look right. That looks like a reliever or something like that. So I kind of use both, but I definitely start out with just the uh, number scouting. Gotcha. Okay. Scott, any young players currently in the bigs right now that, you know, know, we've got Trevor Larnick and I mentioned Taylor Ward. Even uh, Corbin Martin got got called up, I think, about a week ago. 
that you have your eyes on or I mean, anybody that you're, that you're looking at right now in terms of a young player that, you know, even Kirillov, uh, I know cause Kalanick has been slumping a bit. Uh, but anybody that, that, uh, caught your eye that you think might have eventual breakout potential. Yeah. I actually want to talk about a guy who already broke out a little bit and then mm-hmm. didn't and is sort of doing it again. And that's Akil Badu, right? I mean, he's probably yeah. the prospect I watch the most, mm-hmm. but, uh, so the thing about Badu, he comes up and just like sets all kinds of crazy records. Does like every he does his first everything in the course of like three games, right? Like his first home run, his first grand slam, his first walk off. He like does this all in his first three games. Uh, then he really starts to struggle a bit because that's what happens. Players have to adjust, right? Like even if you go, I mean, I talk about rolling charts all the time because I love them. But you look at every player, Juan Soto, Mike, everybody, Ronald Acuna Jr., everyone. It's up, then down, then up. Because what happens is they do something good because they're really good. Pitchers change how they approach these players. You know, maybe they see something. Maybe the player's going through some sort of like physical ailment. Like it's not on the injury report, but you know, the quad's been a little sore, something, right? Comes down, then comes back up. And the story of a player's career is often like, how quickly do they come back up? How low do they go when they're down? How high do they go when they're up? Like that's the kind of trajectory you want to see. And Badu went really, really high to start, right? Like he couldn't stop hitting home runs. He couldn't stop hitting for power. Then he goes on this long stretch where all he does is strike out. Pitchers start approaching him differently. Something that uh, Shelly talked about earlier, like these, these guys that come up and jump multiple levels to get to the big leagues, They've never seen guys that can throw a slider and a curve and a change for strikes that are good, right? Like most pitchers they see can do one of those things, maybe, right? Or like have all four, like have all three of those pitches be good, but can't hit the strike zone, right? Like that, that's a huge change. So he starts doing this. The Tigers start protecting him a little, only putting him in, putting him in against righties, you know, keeping off against lefties. And sure enough, it's starting to come back now. The strikeouts have come way down in may right mm-hmm. like way down he's got one game where he had a bunch of strikeouts where he went uh no actually yeah he had one he had like a three strikeout game otherwise it's way way better the power of course isn't where it was because like no one can hit for that kind of power uh over an extended period of time but he's making hits he's making adjustments that's what i look for when i watch prospects i'm no shelly v right but <laughs> what i do want to see is how players change right because they're going to slump initially. Mike Trout famously struggled for a while, but they make the change, right? When I'm looking at Joe Adele's stat line in the minors, I'm looking for that change, right? Like defense is something that's hard to scout uh, via box scores. You have to watch, but I am watching to see how that approach changes. How does that strikeout rate change? What if the strikeouts don't change, but he starts walking more? What do I think about that? With Badu, what I'm seeing is a lot fewer strikeouts, a few more walks, which is nice, but he's striking out a lot less. And because he's doing that, because he's at least making more contact, he's hitting into outs instead of letting those outs hit the catcher's glove. That's where I think he can start making real progress. It's still going to be tough, right? He's still a guy who jumped levels. He's still a guy who is going to struggle against lefties for a while, but I've got something to watch now. And even if 2021 isn't quite the year for Akil Badu, like I do think that speed, which he's shown off a lot lately, already three stolen bases this month. I think those are the things I'm looking for. So even if it's not till like late this season or 2022 where he breaks out, a lot of people are just going to remember how he started hot and then was really cold for, you know, mm-hmm. three, four weeks. Right. I, great... I can't really stash him on like a 10 or a 12, mm-hmm. but he's a really a guy I'm watching. Yeah. That's a great name to bring up too, because I'm sure that 
plenty of uh, fantasy players have dropped him, you know, since he's been cold. But uh, Shelly, any anybody uh, stand out to you that's actually in the majors uh, right now that you think that uh, could have 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 a breakout? You know, I, we were talking about last week Scott and I, James Caprillion, Oakland A's starter, actually been pitching pretty well in his two starts. His first start. Went five innings, six strikeouts, three walks. And then his second start, 5.2 innings, nine strikeouts with one walk. But anybody sticking out to you that you think that uh, is already in the majors and is ready to kind of take off? Um, I, I I guess I'll talk about the uh, the, the two twins, Larnack and mm-hmm. Kirov. Um, I just think that these guys are going to hit. Um, they have been hitting. Um, Larnack... Um, got off a little bit slow, but he's starting to come around. Um, honestly, it's the same thing with Kirilov. Like he started off the season, uh, pretty slow or when he was caught up, he started off pretty slow. Um, and then he started to like really just hit balls out the park, you know, doubles, singles, just hitting just, um, and then he had that wrist issue. Um, but then in his two rehab games, he hit two bombs, comes up and he's hitting Mm -hmm. again. Um, the, the these guys are just really mm-hmm. going to hit um and then also corbin martin yeah i think this guy is is going to be really good for the mm-hmm. diamondbacks um you know he came over in the zach granke trade um and uh yeah i i have him actually stashed um in a couple of like my my mm-hmm. dynasty mm-hmm. links uh because you know he uh had tj and a lot of the you know fantasy managers who had him rostered dropped him because that's usually what happens um with you know prospects who have tj and then there was COVID, so you didn't see him for like two years so i have him actually on like a lot of dynasty rosters and i just think he's going to be pitched really well uh, for the Mm -hmm. Diamondbacks. yeah it's a good post hype sleeper from a couple years ago i kind of agree with you in terms of martin scott and then we'll go back to shelly scott is there anybody that you're, you're looking at that hasn't uh, been promoted yet uh, any anybody that's caught your eye in terms of, of prospects that you're looking to um you know just looking to see if they can make a, an impact this season yeah well i mean there's a lot of guys who are going to get called up when i write the batter's box like pretty much the the two comments i always get are like one you forgot about this guy and it's like no i didn't i wrote about 20 guys i can't write about 25 right <laughs> uh the second one is always something about like this prospect just came up or this prospect's going to come up soon and what do I do? The guy I get asked about the most, and I'm not going to say too much because I'd rather defer a lot of this to Shelly, but you know, Jaron Duran, he's the guy I probably get asked about the most right now. Uh, I I wonder like when and where that opportunity is going to come. I know it's going to happen soon. I know he just hit, uh, I think he just had a two home run game pretty recently. Uh, it's, it's the thing where he's going to come up. The real question, and I know this isn't answering your question at all. You want answers. I want the truth. About who do I think is going to come up and be good. Mm-hmm. I think the real key is thinking a lot about your league context and what this player can do to make an impact in that league context. I said this last week. I'm going to say it again. There are very few guys in any given year that can come up and have a long-term impact on a 10 or 12-team roster. Right? That's really hard to do. There's a finite number of solid major leaguers who can do this. Right? Like... AJ Pollock gets cut and added several times throughout the season in a 10 or 12 team league. And we already know what he is, right? There's not even questions. So I guess what I'd say is there's lots of guys I'm watching for the little bits of time that they come up, but in those more shallow leagues, I'm really playing it by ear. Who do I think is going to come up in the next few weeks? Right. Then I'll stash him for a while. I mean, like there's Wander Franco, who's a guy that I'd just be stashing, right? Mm -hmm. Because like he has a like he has a huge potential impact. Um, you know, Bruhan's the other guy. I think he's going to come up sooner. I think that he can do some things that you might need in a fantasy league. But 
you know, for me with Jaron Duran, I think he, I think he could be really good. Mm-hmm. It just might take a little while and I'm not sure how much his stat line will impact you in a 10 team league, right? Just because mm-hmm. that's hard to do. That's a huge, like, that's a really high bar. Yeah. So as we wind down, Shelly, give us some name. We, we know the more famous, we'll say, quote unquote, guys like Alec Manoa, you know, uh, starting pitcher for the Blue Jays, who's just been pitching out of sight, right? And you mentioned Duran. Any other names that we should know about that you think that will be up this year and uh, have some type of uh, fantasy impact, maybe a uh, Heliot uh, Ramos from the Giants outfielder, or I mean, it doesn't look like we're, we're going to see Bobby Witt anytime soon, right? That's a, a, another prospect that everyone talks about a lot, and uh, Julio Rodriguez, Mariners outfielder, people talk about a lot, and Adley Rushman, catcher for the uh, for the Orioles. But educate us, T- tell us about a couple of the the guys that you're looking at. Um, I definitely, I think Manoa, I, I think he comes up this wow. week. Um, I just saw on Twitter that um, Anthony K was optioned to AAA. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, mm, is it Manoa time? Because I think that he's going to be, he's one of those guys that might actually hit the ground running. Um, I just remember watching him in spring training against actual like major leaguers. It wasn't like, you know, the low A guys and he was blowing them away. Um, so I'm really excited about him. Uh, Jaron Duran, um, I, I, I do think that he comes up. I think he comes up sometime in June, though, maybe later June, um, because the Red Sox are still being like, well, we, he just got to AAA. He needs a little bit more work. And I, I totally understand. I don't think that there's anything, you know, wishy-washy going there. Um, someone else. Oh, um, Owen Miller for mm-hmm. Cleveland. He was, I think, just promoted today. Um, he kind of reminds me of like a Taylor Walls type. Uh, maybe with less mm-hmm. speed, so a good average um, uh, play there. Um, and it's uh, Cleveland needs someone who can actually sure. hit. So Owen Miller's pretty interesting. Um, oh, and then someone um, who uh, played last year, Edward Oliveras mm. of Kansas City, AAA. He is absolutely demolishing the ball right now. And I have no idea what Kansas City is doing and not calling mm. him up. So I think that he might get the call here soon right. as well. How about Jesus Sanchez, outfielder for the Marlins? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's been absolutely mm-hmm. killing it. And I've been surprised with just how well he's mm-hmm. playing. He's hitting for average. He's hitting bombs, stealing bases. And the Marlins need some help. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So Jesus Sanchez, um, yeah, he came up last mm-hmm. year too. Um, so, yeah, I think that he'll probably get the call too. Yeah, it's good. Good yeah, name. Yeah, thanks. Uh, and uh, th- that's want to appreciate you coming on with us, uh, Shelly, and give yourself a plug. Where can everyone find you? Yeah, uh, again, uh, thanks for having me on. This was this was great fun. Um, sorry about my uh, uh, fringy noises in the nah, background. Off. Um, but uh, <laughs> you can uh, find me on Twitter, um, Shelly V underscore 643. Um, I write for Picture List. I write for uh, the Dynasty Guru. Um, and if you care about what I think about uh, Red Sox, you can go over, uh, hit over um, over the Monster SB Nation site. Um, I write and talk about Red Sox there. There you go. And like I said, thanks for taking part of your, your Sunday. Like I said, we recorded this Sunday, the, the 23rd. And uh, Scott, you care about what uh, Shelly thinks about the Red Sox, right? I care about what Shelly thinks about anything. There you go. Right? Like it, the number of times I've talked about <laughs> Tarek Skubal on this podcast, even though it's mostly a hitting podcast, is uh, 
is embarrassing. And it's actually all because of Shelly, right? Like I remember the Tigers were like just begun their rebuild. And I was like, Shelly, give me some sort of hope. She's like, they've got this guy, Tarek Skubal, who's only pitched a couple games so far, but lots of strikeouts, real electric stuff. And here I am like two years later with a binder full of Tarek Skubal baseball cards and just like tuning in every time he comes on. So, uh, he, you know, obviously he's not an all-star yet, but I'm just waiting. Right. So Shelly, I'm so glad you could come on a uh, huge fan of everything you do. So, uh, I really just came on so that I could hear all this stuff like a day or two before everyone else. Like there that was, that was, the, that was a huge <laughs> thing that I wanted to get out of this. Like, I get all the advice before everyone else. So like if you're in one of my leagues, which you might not be, but whatever, I've already made these ads tough break guys. <laughs> all right. So thanks everyone for listening in. Thanks to Shelly. Thanks to Scott. Hope you were informed. Hope you were entertained because that's our goal. Are you not entertained? You could follow me at Joe Galena. Follow Scott at If the Chew Fits. And uh, like uh, Shelly mentioned, at Shelly V underscore 643. You could follow our podcast at Hacks and Jacks PL. Follow at Pitcherless Pods and you'll be informed anytime a new episode drops. For any of the great podcasts on the PitcherList Podcast Network, subscribe to Hacks and Jacks on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a stellar five-star review. And as always, we hope that all of your fantasies become realities. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time. 